Welcome to the Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host, the Catholic Foodie, and we are in the new year, 2016. Very exciting, very exciting uh, time for me. And speaking of exciting, I think we got an exciting show today for you. Uh, This is going to be kind of a continuation of yesterday's show. Uh, Yesterday we talked about, of course, the new year and New Year's resolutions, and I'm so happy that you are here with me today. Uh, on the Catholic Foodie Show. You, know, you can find a lot of Catholic culinary inspiration, recipes, uh, reviews, uh, thoughts about food and faith and family over at catholicfoodie.com. Please do join me over there. I'd love to hear your thoughts, you know. Uh, read a recipe, uh, try one out, and uh, let me know how it works for you. Uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit more about resolutions. I, I never got around to my own resolutions uh, for this year. And, uh, and, and I also wanted to share just a few more things I came across uh, as I was researching uh, resolutions, a few things that I think were just really, really uh, good that I'd like to share with you. We're also going to be talking today about uh, probably my, my, my favorite new or new-ish restaurant in New Orleans. It's called Shia. And I've had the pleasure of, of dining there a, a couple of times uh, so far. And, and it's just fantastic. And I got a, it's got a story to it. Uh, the uh, restaurant and both, or I should say that both the restaurant and the chef have recently um, received some major awards. You know, if you've been watching Christmas movies uh, during the Christmas season, you may uh, get the reference there to the major award. <laughs> well, Shia has won, and Alan Shia, the chef and owner there of, uh, of Shia Restaurant, uh, have won uh, some pretty major awards uh, the last uh, few weeks. So uh, toward the end of the year, to 2015, and I want to tell you about that. And uh, I've got a couple of sound clips I'm going to share with you today from uh, Alan Shia. Uh, one is about uh, pita bread, which, again, uh, his pita bread has won major awards. We'll talk about that. And uh, also another little sound clip uh, of him talking about uh, shakshuka, which shakshuka is an Israeli dish, uh, Middle Eastern dish, uh, that it's actually on my, my, my pilgrimage to the Holy Land back in February of 2014. That was the first food that I ate when I arrived in the Holy Land. Shakshuka, I had that for breakfast. I'll tell you that story here on the Catholic Foodie Show. So glad that you're with me today. All right. Also, I want to say I'd love to hear from you. I did issue an invitation uh, yesterday. I'd love to hear about your resolutions. You know, are you making resolutions this year, 2016? Uh, Is that something that you normally do? Do you make resolutions every year? I'd love to hear about that. Uh, And I'd love to know what you're uh, resolving for 2016. Uh, I don't know about you, but I know uh, for myself, it just seems that the years are passing by faster and faster. I hear that uh, as I get older, it's going to pass by even more quickly. <laughs> Something to look forward to, right? Uh, I, I'm 45. Uh, I'll be 46 this year. And I can tell you, time didn't pass by this quickly 10 years ago, even five years ago. Uh, it, it's just amazing how quickly time does fly. And uh, from my uh, my more wiser friends, they tell me that uh, it only speeds up. So that's perhaps something that will play into my resolution this year. But in the meantime, I'd love to hear from you. What are your 2016 resolutions? You can call me 
leave voice feedback. I could play it here on the show. Call me at 985-635-4974. That is a simply a place where you can call and leave a voice message just like you would on an answering machine, except this is a special kind of answering machine. It records your message in a digital format that I can play right here on the show. 985-635-4974. That is the voice feedback line. You know, there were so many different, uh, and I shared a lot yesterday with you about resolutions. There were uh, two different, um, sources that I came across uh, for uh, resolutions or or suggestions, I should say, of resolutions by Pope Francis. Uh, One was from a meme, and I said I didn't know anything about the the source of that. I was trying to find or locate uh, whether it was a good um, uh, source, you know, a trusted source. Uh, It was just a, a picture of Pope Francis with 10 uh, suggestions or resolutions on there. Well, as it turns out, it, it looks like um, this was a, a distillation, if you will, of uh, what Pope Francis had had said. And if I'm not mistaken, it's what he had shared with the uh, the, the workers at the Vatican. And uh, the 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 source went back a couple of years, I think, from 2013 2014. So if you go to CatholicFoodie.com, the post for yesterday's show, uh, you're going to see. A um, uh, the list. Yeah, you know, I shared the list there with you. Uh, the the ten that don't gossip, don't gossip, feed, uh, finish your meals, make time for others. All those. I, I share them with you there in print format. But I also share with you the fuller text where there are actually quotes from Pope Francis for each of those ten, and I found them to be quite quite enlightening. Uh, you know, it, it, just as an example, finish your meals. I said, I stated yesterday, I said, you know what, you know, we eat, I mean, we eat too much. Uh, you can look at our country, at our nation and see that we, we have a problem, right? It's an epidemic. Uh, we have health issues because of the amount of food that we eat and the kind of food that we eat, which is one of the reasons why I advocate, you know, cooking at home, home cooked meals, that one simple step to stay away from, uh, boxed foods, prepared foods, uh, fast foods, to stay away from all of that and simply prepare food at home, that one step right there is like a huge step forward in the healthy category. Uh, just that one thing. And if we were to keep food within the context that it's meant to be kept in, right, which is a meal, uh, food is supposed to be within the context of a meal. I mean, historically, look at look at the world historically. That's that's what we have done as a, as a species, right? As human beings for thousands and thousands of years. Uh, we, we, food is kept within the context of a meal. And typically it's, it's been a shared meal. Historically, it's been a shared meal. So it's something to keep in mind um, that we share food with others. And, and if we keep food in that kind of context, then a lot of the health issues that we have today, I think we start, we would start to see them uh, diminish. But that's just my, my little soapbox stand there. Uh, but what I said yesterday, finish your meals. That was the number two on the list of this Pope Francis resolutions meme. And I thought, yeah, that's great because, you know, you, you would, um, if we really put that into practice, then maybe we would serve ourselves less, <laughs> right? You know, if we said, okay, I got to finish everything on my plate, well, maybe we wouldn't stack the plate up so high. Maybe it would help us to think more about the amount of food that we serve. Well, when I read through the fuller text, 
and I saw this quote by Pope Francis. All of a sudden I realized he was coming at it at a little different angle, right? He talked about finishing your meals within the context of an awareness, an awareness of poverty on the global level that, you know, here I am, I should be very thankful for everything that I have. And for me to serve myself a large portion of food and then not finish it, but to throw it away, um, that's, uh, I mean, I, I'm using the word sinful here, but that's, that may not be the exact quote. Go back and read it yourself. You can find that at catholicfoodie.com. It was the post for yesterday, for Monday, uh, January 4th. Uh, you'll find it there. Uh, you'll find the exact quote. <clears throat> but you think about that. It's, it's, it is, it's indicative of the, the selfishness that we have and of the thoughtlessness that we have. And I will admit, I will admit my two years working and living among the poor in Mexico really has um, embedded in me certain aware, a certain awareness of that. I, I can't say that I'm aware every time that I serve a meal that there are poor people in different countries and even in my own country that are hungry. I, 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 I'm, I'm honest about this. I don't think about that necessarily. But what I do think about is simply the fact that I shouldn't be wasting food, <laughs> plain and simple. So, I mean, I, it's almost ridiculous if you come to my house and see the stuff that I save, you know, I, I've mentioned this before on the show. I save when I'm chopping vegetables. I always save all the, 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 the throwaway stuff, you know, the, the, the ends and the skins of onions, as an example, uh, the, the skins and the ends of, of carrots, uh, parsley, you know, the, the stems from parsley, uh, cilantro, all that stuff. I save it. I put it in, in uh, resealable plastic bags and I throw it into the freezer because all of that stuff can be thrown into a stock and it makes a wonderful bone broth, beef, chicken, uh, or a stock, a seafood stock. I've made a, a shrimp stock or, or fish stock, uh, some kind of seafood stock with, with all those leftovers, things that normally we would just throw away. So instead of having to um, uh, chop up or, or cut up, slice uh, and dice some uh, vegetables for a stock, when when I and I love making stocks, I make stocks as as often as I can, and sometimes we just drink it because it's really really good for you, a bone broth. Uh, but sometimes we we put it in the freezer and we save it for a soup or a gumbo or, or something like uh, something like that. So very easy to do and easy to store in the freezer. You could pull it out, use it at any time. So I make socks as, as often as I can. And, um, and, and so I don't throw that stuff away. But in addition to that, guess what? I also, if I serve myself too much, and this is probably TMI, you know, too much information, <clears throat> but if I serve myself too much at a meal, you can bet that I'm not going to throw it away. I'm going to save it and it's going to be my breakfast in the morning or something like that. You know, I will, I will put saran wrap or plastic wrap, whatever over that, stick it in the fridge. If it's a bowl of soup and I maybe served a second portion, the second portion was too much. I will cover it and stick it into the fridge. So interesting, interesting, something to think about. Definitely to be mindful conscious, mindful of the poor in the world, and then to simply finish our meals. You're listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on Breadbox Media. We'll be back in just a minute. We've got to take a quick break. Don't go away.
Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show. You're on Breadbox Media. So glad that you're here. I am Jeff Young, your host of the Catholic Foodie. In the last segment, we're talking about a continuation of yesterday's conversation on resolutions. And I was just mentioning the whole Pope Francis meme and how the fuller texts were actually quotes, excerpts, quotes from the Pope, from Pope Francis, are available uh, for a fuller explanation of those 10 New Year's resolutions uh, that are suggestions that I uh, I, I share with you yesterday. You can find that over at CatholicFoodie.com on the post for yesterday, Monday, January 4th. Now, I will say, and I'm not going to read through these. I am just going to make a note of this, that I found a lot of really, really good ideas on resolutions, uh, mainly on Facebook. I have to be honest here, mainly on, on Facebook, uh, as, as we were getting close to the new year, uh, Lisa Hindi, uh, had some great things to say about, uh, her New Year's resolutions and very heartfelt. Uh, I, I took it to heart. I have been thinking about and pondering what, what she had to say. Very reflective. is very good. Father James Martin also had a great post on um, New Year's resolutions. And I'll, I'll put links to those in the show notes uh, over at catholicfoodie.com for today's show. So you can just click on that and, and go straight to those posts to learn more. I thought they were, they were excellent. Now, I also wanted to share with you this one. This, this is for me, for me personally, I think, um, was one of the most um, poignant, uh, pertinent, uh, important uh, resolution type of ideas that I came across uh, last week. And actually, it wasn't even last week. It was just uh, four, four days ago, five days ago, January 1st on New Year's Day uh, really uh, struck me. There's a website. And I guess you could say a, a, a ministry that you can find at redeemedonline, redeemedonline.com. And it is the home of what is called the biggest social media experience in the church. It's uh, hashtag share Jesus. You may have seen this. It's Andy uh, Lesnevsky. I believe is how you pronounce his name. Andy Lesnevsky uh, is the guy behind this. And he it's videos, you know, it's, it's, it's prominent Catholic uh, writers, bloggers, speakers, uh, radio personalities, podcasters, all of that. He did this last year too. They, they, uh, they share a, a short video explaining something about Jesus. And it's, it's very, uh, very moving. And I would recommend that you check this out. It's redeemed online. Dot com, or if you're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, whatever, you could probably just search for that hashtag share Jesus and come across uh, a lot of these videos that uh, I'm talking about. Well, on New Year's Day, Andy posted um, an article here, some thoughts on New Year resolutions. Remember, this is when I was in the midst of researching this, thinking that this week, you know, especially the first couple of days of this week that I would be talking about New Year's resolutions, right? It's the perfect time to do so. And uh, and and I came across this article and the, 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 the title of the article is Why I Am Resolving to Give Up This Year. Why I Am Resolving to Give Up This Year. And that just struck me. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. What? What are you talking about? Most people are talking about, you know, exercising more or going on some diet 
You know, what is this? Why I am resolving to give up this year. And, uh, and I have to say, I mean, it really struck me, I think, too, because I've been thinking about this in my own prayer. You know, my own prayer has been all, along those lines of kind of giving up, surrendering, and kind of in a deeper way. You know, it's, it's more like giving up. It's, I think sometimes, I don't know if you're like this, but I know for me, I try too hard, right? I, I, I try so hard, as a matter of fact, to get everything right that I get in my own way. <laughs> I make it too difficult. I live in my head too much. You know, I make it too difficult. And, and so that, this title really, really struck me. And, and I want to share this with you right now. You know, Andy says, I'm making one New Year's resolution. I'm giving up. I hope I can encourage you to do the same. Let me explain why. This comment on my Christmas Day article made me think. He wrote an article on Christmas Day and apparently someone uh, someone made a comment. It said, you don't deserve nor will you ever deserve his love. And this, he says, really struck me as harsh. Should I just stop trying is the question. And I can tell you, I'm, I'm coming at this and I'm thinking to myself, wow. I think I've heard this in confession recently, right? The, the, the priest saying, it's really God who does the heavy lifting. It's really God who does all the work. You know, you read the scriptures, read what St. Paul says, you know, all good things come from God. You know, even the good that I do doesn't really come from me. It's God working in me, right? It's God working through me. It doesn't come from me. And so I, I have this problem myself of, of trying too hard of trying so hard, as a matter of fact, that I get in my own way. So Andy asked this question, should I stop trying? The short answer, he writes, is yes. You need not do anything to make God love you. However, it's the opposite of harsh. God loves you because you are you. He really does love you perfectly. There really isn't a single thing you can do to make him love you more. So when I say I'm giving up, I simply mean that I will no longer try to make God love me because I will live in the reality that, it, that he already loves me perfectly. When we initially fall in love, we are consumed with the other. Do you remember that? You know, falling in love. I, I mean, I remember this when I was, you know, in high school, falling in love with a girlfriend or whatever. And, you know, then again, of course, when I when I I meet my wife, and I, I fell head, head over heels in love with her, right? I consumed with the other. And and when that happens, what happens? I want nothing more than to be with that person. I'm consumed with that person. And that's what uh, Andy writes here. He says, I want nothing more this year than to live like this, falling in love with God right? He quotes Revelation. He says, yet I hold this against you. You have lost the love you had at first. Realize how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. That's from Revelation uh, second chapter verses four to five, four and five, Revelation two, four to five. As a sinner myself, he writes, and as someone who teaches the faith, I worry to say stop trying because this might seem to say that I'm implying live however you want. God loves you anyway. 
right? And you got a lot of people out there with that message. Live however you want. God loves you anyway. But this isn't the point I'm trying to make, Andy says. He says, if you truly know how much God loves you, you will want nothing more than to live for that love and out of that love. When you're falling in love, you don't need reminders to spend time with that person. Refall in love with God. Get to know his intimate love for you. You know, that phrase intimate, he writes, can sound weird, especially as a guy. When we think about it in relation to God's love, I think that it is not because it is somehow opposed to masculinity, but because it means being vulnerable. We must open up to God, our hurts, our sins, our th- the things that we hide and be truly loved. Give up hiding from God and experience his love like never before. I hope you will join me in giving up this year's Yours in Christ, Andy. I love this. I absolutely love this. I'm going to put a link in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com. You can find it there. You can also find it at redeemedonline.com slash give dash up. Give up. Right? Why I am resolving to give up this year. I love this because it speaks to my heart. It speaks right to me. I know I know what it's like. I know what it's like. You know, I was thinking about this um Kind of earlier in 2015, I, I went through a, a piece of really at the very beginning, I think, of 2015, a year ago, I had this incredible experience of kind of getting back to that first love in a way. Yeah, you know, I remember as a kid, as a, as a kid, I mean, like, you know, seven years old, six, seven, eight, nine years old, I remember I, I, my, my mom and dad, they sent me to CCD, you know, I went through all that and I, I remember those classes and the people and the lessons and that kind of stuff. I do remember it, but the thing that I remember most isn't even really, as far as religion or faith goes, isn't even really related to those classes necessarily or, or going to mass. It was the fact that I used to pray to God. I used to talk to God all the time. And I did, I simply called him God. And, and so it wasn't that term of calling God, God, you know, I think for a lot of people, they think that that's really vague and it's, it's, it's impersonal. It's kind of like talking about the force, <laughs> you know, impersonal. But for me, for me, when I'm talking to God, and this is maybe sounds kind of weird to you, but for me, it's almost more personal than me saying Jesus, talking like specifically to Jesus. Why? Because I remember so vividly being seven, eight, nine years old, riding my bike to the neighborhood or going to the local park right there, swing on the swing close to, to dusk with the sun going down and pouring my little young heart out to God and feeling that God was present with me. And so God, that term God for me is very personal and very real and, and, and about a year ago, I, I don't know why, just all of a sudden in my personal prayer, instead of praying to Jesus or to Mary or in, the, in that kind of a way, I just started using that word God. And it brought me back to what it was like when I was just a kid and being so open and honest and just present to God. It, it was beautiful. 
beautiful thing. So we do have to take a break, though. You're listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on Breadbox Media. We'll be back to talk about Shia in just a minute. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host. And I'm just excited that you're here with me today. That's, that's just thank you so much for listening. Uh, we have... Uh, talked about resolutions. Uh, I kind of, in the last segment, uh, told you some of the things that happened to me about a year ago when I went back to praying to God in a very simple, simple way and how it impacted my life. And so I guess that's really my, my resolution this year is the same as Andy's. Uh, I shared with that with you the last segment, uh, redeemedonline.com. It's, uh, the title of the article is, um, what is the title of the article? Why I am resolving to give up this year. So you can read that over at uh, uh, redeemedonline.com. You can also find the link to that in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com. But yes, it's to refall in love with God. To be simple, honest in my prayer with God and to allow him to love me as, as he does. He does already, right? He, God loves you. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more or less. Nothing. And he loves you exactly, perfectly, exactly as you are. And of course, he wants us to be closer to himself. He wants to, you know, he, make us, mold us uh, into the people that he, he uh, has made us to be. And that takes time. It takes a lifetime. But right now, in this moment, he loves you perfectly. And he loves you exactly as you are. If you're like me, you have a hard time with that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm going to try to um, accept this year. That's what I'm going to try to do this year is to, uh, as Andy says here, give up hiding from God and experience his love like never before. Uh, don't Please don't misunderstand anything I said at the end of last segment about uh, Jesus. I love Jesus. And Jesus is God. And Jesus is uh, the, the human face of God, you know, to, to look at, to see Jesus is to see God, is to see the Father. But I'm just, I was just uh, sharing with you from my own personal experience growing up as a, as a young child, praying to God that when I do use that term, it just resonates with my heart in a way that uh, I, I can't really explain. So hopefully that's helpful uh, to you. And again, I'd love to hear your resolutions. If you have any feedback at all, uh, particularly what you may be resolving to do this year, let me know. Uh, give me a call. Leave a message on the voice feedback line, 985-635-4974. 985-635-4974. All right. Now I have been hinting here to uh, Alan Shia, Shia Restaurant on Magazine Street in New Orleans. I'm going to try to pull up because, you know, I wish I would have saved the uh, links. And I'm kind of doing the show today by the seat of my pants, so I don't have the links in front of me for everything that I want to share with you. But Alan Shia uh, was originally born in Israel, and he uh, uh, moved over to the United States. Philadelphia, I believe, is where he grew up, if I'm not mistaken. We're going to hear about that in just a few minutes. Uh, but he, he grew up here basically... Uh, in the United States. And, uh, apparently I don't know the full story. I, I, I'd love to have him on the show. I'd love to have him tell his own story here on the show. But apparently when he was growing up, he was kind of a, a rough kid, you know, um, as he has said in an article I read recently, he was a real jerk. 
<laughs> I don't know how true that is, but that's, that's kind of what he said. But you, if you meet the guy, the guy, he's just such a even keel, a peaceful guy just comes across as so peaceful, congenial, uh, very open, very hospitable. I've had the pleasure of meeting him just briefly on a couple of occasions um, and, and had the opportunity to talk with him briefly. Um, and I want to talk with him more. You know, he's got a great story. Uh, apparently, somehow got connected with the uh, the Besh, John Besh, Chef John Besh, the restaurant, his restaurant group, um, you know, a few years back. And uh, in that partnership, I mean, he was the, the chef at Dominica, uh, which is in the Roosevelt Hotel, Roosevelt Hotel uh, in downtown New Orleans. A beautiful, beautiful hotel and a, and a fantastic restaurant, Dominica, one of the John Besh uh, restaurants. And then they opened up Pizza Dominica, which uh, he had his hand in that. And then finally, you know, he's got this his own restaurant, which is going back to his Israeli roots, his Middle Eastern roots. Um, and it is one of the few I mean, we do have Greek slash Lebanese restaurants in New Orleans. We have several Middle Eastern restaurants in New Orleans, but none that were specifically Israeli. So this was something that was totally new. And uh, and he opened that up on Magazine Street in 2015. It won Best Restaurant of the Year, not just on a, a city level or a state level, but nationally, which I think is fantastic. That was the major award <laughs> I referred to earlier in the show. That is an amazing, amazing thing. He is, as a chef, has won an award. And maybe if I go to their restaurant, it'll be there. Let me see if I could pull it up. I get I get kind of hazy on some of the details sometimes. You know, I got to have it in front of me. That's part of the problem of being 45. <laughs> Let's see. I'm going to click on news here and see if I can uh, find it. The re- website, by the way, is just beautiful. ShiaRestaurant.com. Uh, beautiful pictures, but I love, I love this place. Um Excellent, excellent uh, restaurant. Okay, let's see. What is this? This is Israeli eatery in New Orleans named Restaurant of the Year. That was just on December 28th, 2015. This may be what I am looking for. Uh, Yeah, prominent food site recognizes Shia, which just opened in February 2015 for its lasting mark on the industry. Uh, That's what it was. The influential food website, The Daily Meal. Uh, has voted Shia, a New Orleans restaurant launched by an Israeli-American chef, its restaurant of the year, thanks in part to the quote-unquote lasting mark it made on American dining culture. The chef behind the success, Alon Shia, only opened the establishment in February. Isn't that amazing? So only opened in February, and it won this uh, distinguished major award. Uh, Launched in partnership with New Orleans celebrity chef, John Besh, Shia serves modern Israeli-style food, including fried cauliflower with caramelized onions and cilantro, avocado on rye bread with whitefish, and falafel with cabbage salad and tzatziki, uh, the the site noted. Uh, These are not the big dishes that would ever come to mind as must-tries in the Big Easy, right? New Orleans called the Big Easy, where you think of what, gumbo, jambalaya, fried catfish, fried shrimp, shrimp po' boys, those kind of things. Uh, until now, they say, and that is what makes Shia so special. It is a sleeper hit from two of America's very best chefs, a delicious education of the American palate from masters who have demonstrated that they know it well states the Daily Meal. Shia told the website that the national media attention that the restaurant drew was completely 
unexpected. Uh, We are making simple Israeli food like hummus and pita, but we try and make the best it can be. He added, Uh, last month, Shia was named uh, Restaurant of the Year by another influential website, uh, Eater, which you can find at eater.com. The restaurant also made Esquire's list of best new restaurants in America for 2015. And then earlier this year, Shia was named best chef, that's Alon Shia, best chef in the South by the James Beard Foundation. Those awards are considered America's top prize for food. So Alan Shia earlier this year, best chef in the South, uh, named best chef in the South by the James Beard Foundation. Uh, the award was for his work as executive chef at Dominica, which was also launched in partnership with Besh, not, not for the work at this nationally recognized uh, and nationally awarded uh, new restaurant called Shia. So I, as I mentioned earlier, I have had the uh, the pleasure of dining at Shia um, a couple of times so far. I'd love to, to go every day if I could. I need to get back uh, soon. And I'm telling you, I was blown away. We cook Middle Eastern at home all the time, uh, but this is just, just absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, so I've got a couple of sound clips here. First, I want to play Alan Shia uh, making his favorite uh, family dish, which is um, shakshuka. Let's take a listen. And after the, after this, we're going to have to take a, a quick break, but we'll be back. So I wanted to do a dish that really kind of reflected my, my heritage, which means a lot to me. I mean, I grew up uh, in Philadelphia, but I was born in Israel, and my family would cook uh, Israeli food my entire life. So, of course, I pull those influences into my cooking today, and I think that's what makes uh, chefs who they are. They're able to truly um, pull the memories of food, what's made them happy as children, as as adolescents, as teenagers, and the food that they've cooked for their their parents growing up. So I I think about those things all the time when I create a dish. And so I did this shakshuka, and shakshuka is an Israeli dish. It's uh, tomatoes that are crushed, simmered with onions and spicy peppers, and then uh, you crack eggs into it and cook it right on top of the flame until the eggs are just set. The whites are set, but the yolks are still running. And then you take pita bread and you just eat it with pita bread. And as a kid, that was one of my favorite uh, things growing up because it was easy to make. My mom could get it together and, and, and minutes for dinner, and it just brings back so much fond memories. And when I go to Israel, I always go and, and seek that out. And there's a good, a good place in Tel Aviv that a Yemenite lady uh, owns, and she makes the best shakshuka in Tel Aviv. So I came back to, I came to Dominica after a trip to Israel and said, you know, I really want to tap into this dish. How can I make it work here and get people to really like it? So, uh, of course, we're an Italian restaurant, but I use that Israeli influence in a lot of my cooking. So I took the shakshuka, which we did a uh, tomatoes slowly cooked down with spicy peppers and onions. We put it into a cast iron dish, and then we topped it with all these beautiful roasted vegetables that were getting grown locally for us, and then we pick up at the market. Uh, We slow roasted some goat shoulder until it was really tender, sliced that, put that on top, and then crack that egg on top, which makes shakshuka shakshuka. You, you gotta have the egg and the tomato. 
and then roast that in our wood-burning oven that we use to make all the pizzas in. And meanwhile, we make uh, a pita bread, essentially, with our pizza dough and rub it with za'atar seasoning, which is a Israeli spice of sesame seeds and, and thyme and oregano and mint. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much the dish, and uh, we, we make it here in the kitchen. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host of Catholic Foodie. And uh, before the break, we had a little sound clip there from Alan Shia talking about the, the dish shakshuka. And uh, it's, it's a, basically like a, a tomato uh, base uh, with uh, eggs that are essentially poached in, in, the, in the tomato sauce. Very kind of a spicy dish. And I, I mentioned earlier in the show that that was actually the first dish, the first food I ever put in my mouth besides chocolate. I don't know if I should say that. <laughs> I ate a lot of chocolate when I first got there uh, because I was hungry and I didn't get into like four in the morning and all I had on me was like chocolate. <laughs> so I got to my hotel at, at four in the morning and, and um, uh, after leaving the, the airport in Tel Aviv and uh, the, the rest of the group had already arrived. They arrived you know, a few hours late in the night, but they had arrived a few hours before me and uh, we weren't due to get together until breakfast, I think at like six and it was four something in the morning. I'd been up for, I don't know, 24 hours or longer. I can't remember how long I'd been up. And I, I was like, well, I, I don't want to go to sleep because if I go to sleep, I'm not going to wake up in time, you know? Oops. Let me stop that. I apologize. Just try to figure out how to turn that off. Uh, but let me do this real quick. Uh... So, um, yeah, I, so the, that was the first thing I had, right? First thing I had was shakshuka I, at four o'clock in the morning. I'm drinking coffee. I made a pot of coffee in my hotel room, uh, and I waited for the sun to come up and, and I was on the beautiful, beautiful balcony overlooking the, uh, the water. It just, it, it was, uh, the Mediterranean, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous, um, um, day. And I, of course I'm operating on very little sleep. So I go down to meet everybody for breakfast and they had this big, huge breakfast buffet. It was fantastic. It was totally unlike anything I've ever had, you know, it, it, the, the spread, the way it was. And it was a lot of foods you would not think that would be, you know, for breakfast, but like shakshuka as an example. I just loved it. It was the first thing that I, I served myself and the first thing that I ate uh, sitting there with a the group, uh, that very first breakfast for a trip that was just an amazing, amazing trip. You know, I documented that trip. Um, you, you, you can uh, read stories and, and uh, also get 78 recipes. Some of those are family recipes. Some of them are, are recipes from famous chefs there in the Holy Land uh, in my book, uh, Around the Table with the Catholic Foodie Middle Eastern Cuisine. It was published by Ligori Publications. You can find it over at uh, Ligori.org. Uh, it's available on Amazon. You can go to CatholicFoodie.com and uh, you can click on a link there that'll take you straight to the book. Um, but yeah, it was just fantastic. So very interesting to hear uh, uh, Alon's take on this dish, shakshuka. This is a video, by the way, that was done by uh, NOLA.com, by the Times-Picayune newspaper in New Orleans. I'm going to embed that in the show notes over at CatholicFoodie.com in case you want to take a gander at it. You can actually look at it and see the dish he's talking about as it's being prepared. Now, I do have another uh, sound clip here for you. This is a little webisode uh, put together by the Lee Brothers. I don't 
know anything about the Lee brothers. Uh, I need to learn more, but they apparently put together these short web webisodes or, or little video clips of different uh, places. And this is about, um, it's called Southern Uncovered. And this is about the pita bread at uh, uh, Shia at the restaurant and they're interviewing Alon. They're actually in the kitchen with him and it's just, just, just absolutely amazing. And, and definitely if you're going to watch a video, you want to go to catholicfoodie.com to watch one to actually see this. This is the one you want to see this pita bread. It's amazing. So let's, uh, let's take a listen real he- right here and, and hear more about this amazing pita bread at Shia restaurant. Mediterranean and Southern chef Alon Shia, and he's going to show us how to make his pita bread. The dough is about four days old right now, and we make the dough, we put it in the refrigerator, we leave it for a day or two, then we roll it into a little ball, yep. then we put it back in the refrigerator and leave it for another day or two. All the while it's rising. All the way, a it's bit. slowly rising, and the flavor really begins to develop. Wow. When you're rolling pita, you want there eventually to be a pocket, right? So we want to make sure that as we roll it, we're not going too thin. We want to leave a little thickness to it. So it's as simple as that. Done. We have a very even dough. And once we put it in the oven, that high temperature is going to make all that water in the dough begin to steam. And it's going to rise it up. Cool. Awesome. Oh, check it out. It's rising. Zeppelin. You see how, yeah. how yeah. quick that happens? That, that is quick. We're going to rotate it a little bit. Uh-huh. Once it gets a little bit of color on top, I'm going to take it and flip it over and let it finish cooking right there. There we go. All right. So let's pull this guy out. Look at that. Color, right? It went from raw dough to and how long did that baked take? goods in like no time. Yeah, a minute, less right? than a minute. Not even. Two. I love to eat this with this um, recipe that was the first recipe I ever learned how to cook in my life. Wow. It's when, called Mutanitsa. When was that? I was seven years old. Oh, cool. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your background. How'd you get into cooking? Like- so I was born in Israel, uh-huh. and when I was four, my family immigrated to Philadelphia. And my grandparents would come every year and visit. And every time that my grandmother and grandfather would come, we would spend several days just cooking together and making these huge, huge feasts. And it would be all of like my favorite foods from when I was in Israel, or the foods that my grandmother had been cooking her whole life. So I remember, just like it was yesterday, I was in first grade. I walk up to my house, like I get off the school bus, I go home, I open the front door, and I'm hit with the smell of roasted peppers, roasted eggplants, roasted tomatoes, all cooking on top of the gas stove on the open flame. I really attribute that smell to the reason that I wanted to begin cooking in the first place. And so this is the recipe. It's a a Bulgarian spread. It's made by roasting um, peppers, eggplant, tomato, all over some type of fire. Remember this really great pita bread that we just cooked? Yep. See all that steam? Yeah. Yeah. And look how light it is on the side. Look at the fluffiness, right? So we're going to take this guy, put a little bit of this on there. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Boom. Right yeah. there. Isn't that awesome? 
Awesome. I mean, the, you, you actually watch the video, you get to see it. And uh, I mean, the pita bread is just, it's really unlike anything I've ever seen before. I, I, I don't think I even saw pita bread like this in the Holy Land. Uh, and of course, it's being done in a wood-fired oven. And the oven, when you walk into Shia, the oven is in the very back right corner. And it, it I mean, it takes up some space. It's huge. It was custom built, you know, and, uh, it, it takes up a good amount of space, but it's a wood fired oven. And Alon said, you know, he, I think he had to give up like two and a half tables in order to fit that oven in there, but it was well worth it because it's the only way that they could make what they wanted to make the perfect pita. And it really is. It's like, I could never in, in my oven, I could never do that. It is just absolutely amazing to see it. Now, you know, you talk about that, the dough had been like four days old at the time. I mean, it's, it's sort of, it's like a slow rise, okay? And it's always refrigerated. So it's like a slow rise uh, dough, which is similar to what, uh, you know, the, the dough that I use when I make pizzas, the dough that I use, not all the time, sometimes when I'm making pita, because sometimes making pita is like a spur of the moment decision. And so I don't have like 18 hours to wait. Uh, but the dough that I, I, li- I like to use when I'm doing pizzas and if I plan ahead uh, making pita is a slow rise dough as well. It's a no need. It's it's from Jim Leahy, who is a uh, famous uh, baker and uh, author, cookbook author, Uh, Jim Leahy up in New York. He owns some restaurants. Uh, It's a no need pizza crust or a no need dough. And so you don't need it. You just mix everything together and you let it sit covered uh, room temperature on the counter uh, for an extended period of time. In this case, anywhere from 12 to 18 hours. And what you will see is something that is very different when you do a dough this way. Very different than if you do a typical, hey, I'm going to make some homemade bread. Let me mix all the stuff together. I'm going to set on the counter and let it rise for two hours. That's what the recipe says. And then I'm going to you know, take it out and, and, and shape it and form it and let it rise a second time. This is a totally different animal. When you see this dough after after 12 to 18 hours of a, of a slow fermentation, uh, it is just chocked full of the of those little bubbles, right? The gas bubbles, uh, because that's what's happening. It, it's it's fermenting and it's it's making bubbles. It's making gas. And and the cool thing about that is when you when, once it is risen. And you handle that dough. You need to be gentle in doing so. You can stretch it. You can roll it out even. Uh, I usually use my hands instead of a roller when I'm dealing with pizza dough uh, or even tossing the pizza dough so you can try to stretch it and shape it without squishing it. You know, Because if you, if you roll it out, then you're going to roll out the gas. And what you really want to see happen is when you stick it into a very, 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 very hot oven, you get what you call oven spring. It's like all of a sudden, boom, this heat hits it and, and, and the, the gases expand, you know, and that's what causes the pita bread to, to bulge up and to make that pocket. You know, if you actually see the video, you go to catholicfoodie.com, watch this video, you're going to see it. Boom. It just pops open, not completely open. It just pops up. Uh, the pita bread does in that oven cause it's so hot in there. And, and it forms a pocket so that everything is being cooked on the inside and the outside in a minute or less than a minute even. And it just comes out of this perfect pocket bread. 
perfect pita. Uh, so I love this stuff. And that's what you want. And even when you're doing pizza, you don't want it to be a pocket, right? You got toppings on it, so it's not going to pop up that way. But when you have that long rise dough, that's, 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 oh, it's just incredible. And you get those, those gaps of air, those air pockets. Oh, just fantastic. Oven spring is what that's called. And it is, it's just the bee's knees, folks. I love it. We are at the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on Breadbox Media. So glad you joined me today. I'd love to hear from you. You got the voice feedback line, 985-635-4974. Please give me a call. Let me know what your resolutions are this year. And until next time, which will be tomorrow, by the way, bon appetit.